Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am your host, Doug Winters. If there's one connecting thread that's woven through each of my first 65 podcast interviews, it's a genuine love and passion for the work that we all do. And I think right now, when all of our professional worlds have been turned upside down, it's the perfect time to celebrate the people who've invented and keep reimagining the transformative power that a truly special event can have. Today's guest, Fallon Carter, is one of the leaders of this astonishing group of young superheroes that are taking events to a whole nother level. She actually talks about the purpose of having an event and working individually with each client to find that purpose, which is an extraordinary philosophy. So sit back and relax and enjoy the absolute powerhouse force of nature that is Fallon Carter. I appreciate you dressing up because you're the first person not wearing a t-shirt. Oh, well, thank you. Including me right now. <laughs> very proud to wear my Basquiat shirt. I oh, yes. Um, go Basquiat. Mornings are my thing. It's I like a crisp 4.30 adjacent, a good meditation lead into a workout. I get my coffee. I do the thing. I like to dress up, put my makeup on and treat it like a day a day just historically speaking so that everybody understands and i feel the need to explain this in the beginning of each podcast till march 2020 anyone i've interviewed i've gone to their office or their home set up two microphones and my laptop and we do this face to face and this zoom thing is so odd and we're both in new york so i'm in west so you're in harlem harlem 127th street i noticed yep. your office it's really, you know, we're all in a horrible position because we can't do our jobs. We can't work. You know, it's 125,000 people dead and yeah. a million people infected. I mean, just in our country alone. And they say that that, you know, multiply it by 10. The ones that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. For the real number. Well, even to go back to what you were saying, like it, the Zoom is hard for you. That's what I'm finding the disconnect with this like Zoom entertainment or Zoom weddings when I coordinate events or when I think of putting events together in my mind, there's a lot of emotions and feelings and things that aren't tangible, but that you, when you're in a space with other people, you focus on, okay, how can we create the right light and the sounds and the candles and the scent of the food? What, is, what are these touch points that will make someone feel a certain way? You right. can't do that when I can't touch you right now. I can't even, I can't feel your energy. I can't feel anything about you to get a read off of you. And that's, that is, I find it tricky and difficult to. Yeah. So you just verbalized what I was trying to say by <laughs> the zoom is hard. <laughs> yeah. Donald Carter is officially my translator. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come up with a concept and you elucidate what it really means. That's what I tell my couples. I was like, I take kind of like your jibber jabber of what you think you want your event. And I kind of translate that to like an actual vendor, like what that means to them. So that I, I can dig translator as part of one of my my skill sets. <laughs> yeah. It, you, I told Erica, she was the first person and that then you right after are talking about the use of the awaken all five senses. Well, when all of them are occupied by something that we're creating, you don't necessarily have the space to think of something else. Like if I can hit you in all angles, you can't be like, wow, I really need to go work on my taxes right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're here. It forces you to be present if I'm coming at you from every angle, from texture to all the touch points. So, What are your thoughts about phones at weddings or events period? I'm not a fan of phones, but if I didn't have to be on social media, if I didn't have to email, if I didn't have to do anything technologically, I wouldn't in any way, shape or form like, but it does help share. It does help create awareness. It does help create inspiration. Phones at an event, it's like there is a time and a place. The ceremony for me is not one of those, but it's really hard to let people disconnect. So that's why our focus is always like, how can we make it so that we're giving them everything that they need visually, just feeling confident and comfortable enough to put it away they don't need to be distracted. Mostly people are going for their phones because they feel alone or they feel intimidated and they're looking for a way to escape sometimes or they want to capture it or they want to share it. There's all these miscellaneous reasons for each person utilizing their phone. So trying to come up with as many ways to make people feel 
inclusive. If you're like, okay, what about the intimidated ones that pull out their phone and stand in the corner? All right, let's find something that, you know, people who want to escape or be alone can do that's actual activity. So we don't want to always be dancing. We don't always be talking. Let's give a little something for everyone at each event so that there is less use of phones. The Southern part of the United States is so different (laughs) from the Northern part of the United States, even to this extent that two historically black colleges would play on TV on a Saturday. More important than the game was the halftime show. Oh, 100%. Which is why one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Nick Cannon. Drumline. I went to Clark Atlanta University and Drumline was filmed behind my dorm. And that is where I went to college. No way. I went to Clark Atlanta University and that was the movie that was like, oh, I'll go there. (laughs) That is so great. You can see my dorm in the back. My friends were on the band. I was a Panther Diamond. So I was on the basketball dance team. Homecoming is a huge thing. And I, as a Panther Diamond, we, when new recruits would come in to watch the football games, we were kind of the girls that sat with them and made sure they had refreshments. Very Southern thing. But, you know, we would, we would dress nice and we would sit with them and make sure they're taken care of and introduce them to the players. But that, the be- my best decision ever was picking an HBCU. Stands for Historically Black, Black College or University. University, yeah. yeah. So mine is the AUC, the Atlanta University Center, and we had three schools. So Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse College, and Spelman College. Spike Lee went to Morehouse, and and as a Clark Atlanta University, I'm gonna I'm setting the record straight. Spike Lee had to take all of his classes at Clark Atlanta University, even though he went to Morehouse. So we can cross pollinate as far as taking courses in other colleges. Yeah, I've heard him talk about that. Yeah, but it's yeah. a huge thing, and like everyone's like, yeah. Spike went to Morehouse and every Clark Atlanta person's like, no, he didn't. He may have gotten his papers from Morehouse, but he had his education from Clark Atlanta University. It's like, we're very competitive in that part, but going to a school and being surrounded by, just because I grew up in a space where I went to high school with, I was what, one of maybe five black people in my high school. And so finally getting to go and experience college where everyone around you is the same and actually learning, like in high school, you didn't learn about Black Wall Street and actually what happened in Tulsa. You didn't learn about Pro. You didn't learn about- I never heard the expression Juneteenth. Until I went to college. No, and me until three weeks ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Yeah, I was like, I did not know my history until I went to, until I went to college. So you didn't know about it as a kid either? No. Yeah. The first thing we do as a freshman, we have to learn every single verse and word of Lift Every Voice and Sing in our English class. And we had to sing it every day in class. It was almost like a reprogramming. It's like you go and you learn about all the things that once were. And it it felt freeing. You're in a space where you didn't have to watch yourself or watch your tone or you were like legit, like free. And it was delicious. And I see what I need to do to go to the next level. Right. So tell me about being a debutante. I mean, it's like any of these other rites of passages. It, it gives you the, it's all, to me, it's very, it was, it, it's sex slavery adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at it and no, like with as much content and information as I know now, like this is ridiculous. Why would they do this? It's so anti-feminist in the, in the worst way. But as a debutante, you go to class, you learn how to, basically you become you get trained to be a wife in theory, minus the important part. So it's not a white or a black thing. Anyone can become a debutante. You can, it's who sponsors you, it's who's basically hosting the, the thing. So debutante isn't strictly like a black thing. There's, there's white right. debutantes. Mine was hosted by a sorority. So Delta Sigma Theta and there's Alpha Kappa Alpha and there's Zetas and there's, there's tons of other organizations that are predominantly black fraternity sororities and they generally host these debutante balls the concept is either i would officially potentially become a member one day when i go to college i would say oh delta sigma theta hosted my debutante ball therefore i want to now become a a delta and continue on the legacy that way no one in my family was in a sorority a lot of people are legacy in the fact that like now my sister is an aka so her children will probably have a debutante where they 
go in and they become an AKA down the line. It's legacy. You want to go to the same HBC. You want to join the same fraternity. So these fraternity sororities. All right. So these AKA, I'm assuming is Alpha Kappa Alpha. So they're all Greek. Yeah. They're all Greek letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not in a Greek organization, but I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends that are. So it's like, I put all of my debutante stuff on my wall and they're like, yo, I didn't know you were Delta. And I was like, I'm not, they just hosted my debutante. Like everyone called down. <laughs> so, um, so with a debutante, Delta Sigma Theta host it. And there's a, a process where you learn to fold napkins. I learn how to set a table. Um, you learn how to write letters and and just correspondence and it's very dated in the concept of like apparently i'm gonna have a home and i'm gonna write letters to people like where do we live like i I would probably hire someone of course i mean this is like the most (laughs) anti-feminist thing i've ever heard in my life ever and then i have to get dressed up in a white dress you learn the waltz and you have to go to dance lessons and then you are presented to the world technically as a woman now and the, I guess the concept is you can be married and someone should come and pick you up and take you away because now you can go take care of their homes and write their letters. <laughs> so I'm like, this is the wildest thing. But everyone wants to do it. You want to get dressed up. You want to wear the white dress and you want to be seen as, I am now a debutante and I know how to do house things. I think the concept of a debutante is just like, it, it's class. It's, a, it's another way to le- to say like, if you have the money to do it, you are affluent. You can do other things. So it just puts you in, it's just a class system. It's the same in any community. Your mom puts you in these positions so that you can be the Jack and Jill. You can be in the Jackie Robinson Foundation. You can be in these, what we would call either uppity or bougie adjacent organizations so that it it will progress you longer. You don't want to date the guy that's got the cornrows on the corner. You want to date the guy that's in banking and but it, I was like, that's the same in everyone's family. They want you to marry well and up so that you can progress and your children will be up and, and there. But I'm from Mississippi. I grew up there for, for a short amount of time. So I would say I was there for three or four years. Then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee until about nine. And then I spent most of my upbringing in Maryland. So all very Southern states. Maryland is considered the North in comparison to Mississippi, but in comparison to New York, it is still the South to, to most. And I, I decided to go to college in Georgia and that's where Clark Atlanta is. And then after Atlanta, I moved back to, my brother lived in DC. And What's I, the other school in, in Drumline? Atlanta A&T, right? Um, I don't think that, is that what it's called? Atlanta A&T isn't a real school. There is a, I, because I, I applied to North Carolina A&T and I got in and I was this close to going to, North Carolina A&T, because um, there's Georgia State, there's... Anybody that watches college football knows knows the names of these yeah. schools. You know, Grambling and all the A&Ms and, you know, A&Ts. <laughs> Hang on, I want to fact check this. Now I'm like intrigued. The first HBC was 1837. Cheney University of Pennsylvania was the first HBCU. 1837, when was slavery abolished? 1865. Huh. <laughs> tell me about this all right so you told me so let, right, let's get into a transition awkward transition you tell me this amazing story of how you got into this business that i'd love you to share all right so i'll give you even a little bit more backstory the first time i ever traveled outside of the u.s was when i was 13 years old i was by myself my mother sent me on a student exchange program for some weird reason. I exchanged with a 16-year-old French male. Um, so I <laughs> so it was a 13-year-old girl who hasn't even gone and just leaving middle school, transitioning into high school. So this apparently, is when you were in Tennessee or in Maryland? This is when I was in Maryland. Um, okay. I was apparently a very mature child, and they thought this was a great idea. My mother said she cried every day, though. So I go to Paris. Yeah, she cried every day, but in the meantime, she's the one that sent you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, okay. So (laughs) I'm there two weeks and I took French in all of middle school. I love France. I love speaking French. It's great. So I'm having a great time. I'm sort of crying every day, but being away two weeks in another country, hardly speaking the language was impeccable. Now that I look back, it was the best experience of my life after going to an HBCU. So at the end of college, I moved back to DC. I get a job at an Israeli aerospace company, actually. And 
I am working. I love it. I am, you know, I get to go to these military shows and they're showing weapons and all this other stuff. It's really an interesting job. I was a political science major. The goal is for me to get enough money and to stay in this job just so I can take the LSAT and, and apply to either American GW, one of those, and just go to law school as the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm in the midst of this, a good friend of mine from high school says, hey, my sister's getting married in France. You should come with me. It's, it's going to be dope. I was like, great. I love France. I was there in middle school. It's phenomenal. I'm sure it's the same. And now I can actually drink. It's going to be even better. So, <laughs> <laughs> Could you speak French at this point? Oh, no? So okay. Okay. I was like, let's, let's do it. I'm brushing up. I'm like doing my thing. I'm ready. I packed bags. I had all I had so much stuff. It was ridiculous. So we get to France and I'm ready. I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to get cheese. I want a baguette. When we first get there, I'm going to get a champagne and just lay out. And we get there and she takes me to her sister's hotel and her sister is like in tears. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not what I signed up for. What was, why the sad face? This is a wedding. You're getting married in five days. We're having fun. The wedding dress had been shipped and made in Nigeria. And cause it's a Nigerian wedding. It was um, the only son. So it's like no expense spared. Three days. Oh, the groom was Nigerian. The groom was Nigerian. The bride is also Nigerian, but she was from America. So this is all, we're all just trying to ball it all together. It's great. Right. So we're there and she opens up the box and we all look at the dress and we're like, oh, yeah, I don't, what is that? So wow. (laughs) um, we take the dress to a Parisian dress designer. We're like, well, Paris is a great place to have a, a wedding dress fiasco. Like we can solve this no time. And even the the French lady was like, oh, la, la. And we're like, oh, this is bad. This is real bad. So we then look at the dresses that were made for the bridesmaids. Those were also a hot mess. And some of these bridesmaids, she hasn't even seen in 10 years. So we have to now find new bridesmaids dresses. We have to guess that they're still the same size as she remembers 10 years ago. And we have five days before we need this to happen. So we're making lists of salons to go to, finding places to have a dress, getting her measured and tailored and all of that. So the wedding takes place at- So I'm assuming um, money is not an issue for this one. No, of course not. Okay, okay. That's what makes it even more fun. It's like, oh yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that was the first mistake Fallon had. Anyway, so um, it's the wedding takes place at a Waldorf Astoria property um, across the street from Versailles. So oh my God. after we get the dress and everything handled, we then go check into the hotel. Versailles is amazing. At night, they have fireworks every night. So this is... Wait, all this happened before you checked into the hotel? Uh-huh. Holy crap. So, because we, we needed to be in Paris for the first couple of days. And then mm-hmm. we went down to Versailles to, to actually be on property and let's do this. Okay. So we're there and the day of the wedding comes. I remember waking up and going to get a couple of extra flowers to jazz up bouquets. I am asking the front desk in my broken French for a sewing kit. And I saw that you need a bar of soap for white dresses and all of this stuff. I'm just gathering details. And um, she's about to make her entrance into the reception. And this was kind of my like, aha. So we're on the terrace. One of her (laughs) straps had snapped from the new dress. And I was like, I can sew, we'll do it. So it's like French doors, you see it through the French doors, you're seeing 300 guests from the Swiss Alps where the groom went to school. And you know, it's just Hermes and money and everything. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm sewing her in her dress. And- It sounds of, like a scene from like Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, I'm, well, yeah, or Crazy Rich Nigerians, I'm here for it. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sewing her up and then we open like the French doors and then she did goes in and the fireworks are up ahead because it Versailles across the street. And I was oh like, God, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is dope. Like I like this, like yeah. this, this is it. When we were all getting ready and dressed and like just kind of helping the bridal party, they were like, you should really think about this as a career. And I was like, people make money doing this. I was like, that's wild. I never, it never had been, in the concepts of jobs, it was like right. lawyer, doctor, like all like <laughs> enough money to live planning events. Like I didn't, I mean, I've always been like Martha Stewart was my magazine subscription as opposed to my friends who read Teen Vogue. So I'm a debutante. Like hospitality has kind of been ingrained in my life. Like I that's wanted to keep so. Yeah, it's 12, 12. Like that's what yeah. I want. Like don't give me easy big oven. Like let's upgrade this bad boy to an actual stand mixer. Yeah. Um, yeah, after that, I came back. I, I saved up a little bit of money. I quit my job and I took this like four week 
miscellaneous wedding planning course that told me what a timeline was. And I was like, oh yeah, that would make sense. So then I was like, <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, that, I think we would need that. So I, other than that, that was also the first wedding I had been to. I'd never been to another wedding. Um, and so my concept of becoming an event planner was to solve problems. Like I like this, I like solving problems. And I know a lot of wedding planners are born from having done their own weddings and like, wow, that was nice. And I'm like, never had that. I just like, give me a problem. Let me solve it. I like that part of it. And so, yeah, quit my job, moved to New York with 700 bucks, which was interesting. And (laughs) (laughs) one thing led to another, um, found a client, told her I had known nothing, but I want to practice on her if she could do it. And she agreed. And I did her wedding. She recommended me to a friend. The photographer from that wedding introduced me to other people. And so 10 years later, here we are. Wow. I don't tell Is me. Fallon a family name? No, my aunt named all of us. My aunt watched Dynasty and she loved the name Fallon. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. So my middle name is, my middle name is Yael, which is a Hebrew name. I was just going to say, it sounds Hebrew. So it's, yeah. um, it's F-Y-C are my initials. So you literally had a life-altering experience. I did. You know, the ultimate Oprah aha mm-hmm. moment. You know, it's like, this is, this is what I can do. And I'd be great at it. The best thing was when the bride from the first wedding, mm-hmm. after my business kind of got underway and got a little bit of traction, she reached out and said, hey, I want to plan my 40th birthday party in Capri. And I was like, Sure. And I was like, I had never heard of Capri. I was like, I was like <laughs> Googling. I was like, oh, Italy. Yes, I do Italy. Yes. I don't know Italian, but I can get that. Let me get. Okay. So she was like, let's do it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I hung up the phone and I was like, fudge. <laughs> I was like, this looks, looks like we're, I'm zooming out of the island. I was like, where in the hell is the nearest land to get to from? Like, like having to bring people from different parts of the world to Naples to then put them on a ferry to then book housing for multiple people on this island that no one can drive on. You have to have people that live on the island drive you. So coordinating that and coordinating a party where you're having to even bring people from Naples or Rome or other parts of the mainland to literally create a party for her at a villa, like catering and I can't meet with them. I can't talk to them. I can't taste the food. I mean, I talk to them, but I can't be in front of them to taste it. So have these virtual conversations like, yeah, I like that color pink. Yes, let's do this. Let's do that. And having to trust, like you don't know their work that well. You're making it up. So after that event and it went so well, that's when I was like, this is, this is it. Destination 100%. I have such tremendous respect for what you do because I know the responsibility I have as a band leader to get people dancing. I know the responsibility a florist has in providing amazing flowers, but you're in charge of everything. Like if the music's too loud, that's your fault. <laughs> if the lighting isn't right, that's your fault. If there's, if there's not enough champagne glasses. It's my fault. <laughs> everything is your fault. And I just want you to know that I personally appreciate that. Thank more you. than you know, and you. even though we've never worked together yet. <laughs> but, and I want everyone listening to this, who's thinking of hiring an event producer, which, you know, probably most of the people listening to this do, that the work is incredibly difficult and stressful. And I think you can only really do it if you love it. Right. Wouldn't, I would have left it? this a long time ago if I did not love it because yeah. of the stress, a hundred percent. Every day you get a new call you're like, this one's going to be great. Just by listening to the couple and even the questions I ask about like, okay, what are your favorite restaurants or what's the favorite room in your house? And you start to, you start to learn a little bit more about them, their aesthetic, their vibe, the things that make them light up. You're like, Oh, I I could do this. Like, (laughs) so I I love even that conversation. So so tell me, so tell me when will that conversation happen? When you say, what's the favorite room in your house and what's, what's your favorite drink and what's brainstorming. The first conversation is usually just, what do you want to do? And why do you want to do it? Why are you getting married? Other than we love each other. It's like, no, no, no. Why are you really doing this? Cause you could go down to the courthouse easily. Like the rest of us, what's Uh the need for us to bring either 50 or a hundred or 300 people together is like, What's the political 
landscape of your family? Are we merging families? Are we bringing people together that have never met before? What's the cultural details? Like all of all of that little just details so I can know how the details will impact the event. I, I've done a million weddings and they're all what you would consider local. And there are family dynamics in every Everything. relationship. Yeah. I can only imagine when you multiply it by adding 1,500 miles in plane travel. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, are we making this easy for people to get to? Are we making it a, a, a way for us to get away from something? So why are yeah. we going and what's the reason? Are we visiting grandma? Because she's in Sicily and y'all never have visited her before and we have to take the wedding to her. What's the situation? So it starts there. And then once we fall in love with each, with each other and they're like, we want to hire you, that's when we go into my form of brainstorming of like, what are other trips that you've taken that have blown you away? What are moments that you've experienced together that you want to potentially recreate for family or for larger amounts of people? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason I love Destination so much is I'm a solo traveler and there are experiences that I've had that have literally brought tears to my eyes that have made me understand life more, that have made me understand myself more. So travel is huge for me. And I think that when you take people away from their comfort zone and then you add the concept of a celebration, it enhances, it, it gives your guests a full-on experience that could potentially change their lives all while getting to celebrate your love story. But even setting the stage of what your marriage is going to be because you have now created a foundation of just these people together in this, this unit. Um, I think it's when you have that destination, it just locks and loads the whole concept of your marriage and gives you a good mission statement to move forward with because it's like that's that's my take on destination no that is so (laughs) that is so clear because you could easily say okay so this is what rich people do because they're bored no there's (laughs) there's a whole thing behind it yeah see i'm telling you my translator (laughs) i'll say the word thing and you'll say well yeah societal experience yeah Yeah, define what what do you want what is it that you want to do because I think in, in America, yes, you can recreate a lot of places in the world here, which is great. And that's what I'm trying to do now due to COVID. It's like, okay, how can I create the Italian Riviera here? How can I create Portuguese or how can I create Spain here? Like what, so finding different pockets of the U.S. to emulate that. But my feelings are getting involved because I can't explain it. Yeah. But waking up in the morning in a small village and smelling bread baking and someone's pushing a cart of flowers by. It's like, these are things you can't make up. And these are details that I can't even plan. So it's like, if, if I can take somebody and their 50 guests or a hundred guests to a place in the world where the details are so effing dope that I can't even do it myself. Like it makes my job so much easier. So people are like destination so much harder. I'm like, nah, I was like, just buy a castle in Tuscany and have your guests wake up on a sunrise. Like my job is done. I just had to get y'all there. Like, and I give you some spaghetti at night. It's so easy because we're on a vineyard. (laughs) I can bring you a bottle of wine from the backyard. Like my, no, in, in New York, I have to get lighting. I have to do this. I have to do that. I was like, these cypress trees, they just grow. They're like this. They're like right here. I didn't have to even do anything. Like I am taking you to a place that is magical. That's all I'm doing. And I'm adding you, adding little bitty things that you're familiar with, and your mind does the rest. Okay, so that's all. so as, as your agent, <laughs> I have to I have to insist that you not undersell yourself. I mean, you have to be aware of where the cypress trees are, and where the estates are that have wine growing, you know, being stomped in the back in the backyard. Yes, you know, it's not just just not there. It's not just you can't take a plane to some exotic location and say, okay, wow. Alan was right. Look at this. <laughs> we don't need her. Look, because we can. Just... <laughs> okay, okay, you do. Yeah, you need because right. I mean, don't undersell what your you know the your expertise, what you're bringing to the table, and th- yeah. and that's why people hire you is that you create, you make that happen yeah. for them. Well, yes, that's what. I So want that to it do. just seems intrinsically there. It's part of the countryside. It's part of the. But you had to be aware that. <laughs> these cypress trees the, the, that the bakeries are, you know, start to make the bread at five thirty in the morning, and yes. if you position people, you know, and you open the windows at the, you know, that. at the right time, it's a, it's amazing. It's and that's what that timeline's like. The way you can get into yeah. your your seven hours timelines are my absolute favorite, and that's it's because to me it's it's a puzzle. The day is a puzzle, like timing exactly when 
people should eat and exactly when knowing when the sun is setting to know when people need to transition to be up and dancing and when do you pop a toast in and when don't you and when do you leave space for a dance set and when don't you it's like riding a wave and even working with the teams like working with our bands and DJs and lighting people to know exactly when to transition the lighting to go up a little bit or down a little bit I was out with a friend this weekend and we were at a French cafe having a very basic salad and French fries. Like I'm a vegan gluten-free girl and that is my favorite junk food vegan meals. Like French fries and, but French French fries, like they have to be made from French people. This They just get it. So it's like, but the music was perfect. The, Where was this? It's in Harlem. It's called Maison Harlem. It's on 127th street. They had outdoor seating. And it had just oh. finished raining and the breeze was just right. Oh my sitting God. Outside. And, it, and I, I told him, I was like, you know, this is a perfect moment. Like this is, these are moments that you want to create, but you can't because I couldn't create the breeze. I can't create, I can create the music. I can create, but we're outside the weather. It's like all of these little sensory points that make this moment magical. And this is what we remember. I was like, this is why I do what I do. So I can take people to the right country at the right time to get the breeze, to get this. <laughs> Like, that's what a timeline is. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so let, let's just discuss the concept of timeline. Yeah. There's got to be the macro timeline and then the, <laughs> the minimalist time. So the seven-hour timeline. But then there's got, with a destination wedding, as with any wedding, it's, there has to be a gigantic timeline of, like, so uh, they have to get save the date invitations, right? So you have to deal yeah. with an invitation person. The more exotic the location, you have to know where the hotels are that can uh, what word am I trying to say? That can that can house <laughs> so, all these people, you know. Accommodation, yep. Activities. What are they going to do when they're not doing things with you? Welcome bags. What are they going to receive when they walk in the room? All of that. Right. So to be all right. So let's say the party's on Saturday night. There's a party every day. <laughs> yeah. All right. So but no. I mean, but the, let's say the ceremony is pick a day that the ceremony is. Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So how many days? Do you advise guests to be there? How how many days after should they be prepared to leave? And and is making airline reservations part of your job? It depends because I have a lot of different offerings, and that's if you want the whole shebang, we can help organize. Okay, we can even help organize private so plan. So it's like there's 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 room for growth. We can do a lot of things. So, okay. yeah. but ultimately, it's also based on the the guest because some guests can be there. Some of our guests will want to book, stay a whole week and then come to the wedding the next week. Some guests are workaholics and they want to fly in the morning of and they'll be there. So it's it's definitely up for what you right. want to make it. Because sometimes we're not staying in hotels. We're booking out a whole, like like in Portugal, we, in, it was two hours outside of Lisbon and it was a farm, a functioning farm um, that had 30 rooms and horse stables. They cooked everything on site you ate off all of the food. It was, you know, so it's like all of the guests came in sporadically two to three days before, but the couple and I were there five days, you know, like we stayed there much earlier getting everything set up and then folks kind of come in mm -hmm. gradually, but by letting them know through a website or through however you're going to correspond when the events are taking place, they can identify when they'd like to kind of show up and say, Hey, we, we will have accommodations between these dates and these dates if you want to stay. And if you need help creating an, either an extensive vacation afterwards, or if you want to lock and load one on the front end, totally up to you and we can help you put that together. But that's kind of how that talk goes. <laughs> All right, so how far out does the save the date have to go out? We usually send them eight months, six to eight months before, and then your invitations with true formal details is about eight weeks six to eight weeks. Usually I do it on how extensive we're going. Like I still consider Vermont or for me, if I'm going, taking a couple to Napa or something, they're mm -hmm. technically still destination weddings because we have to get on airplanes and we have to go someplace. Right. But those you can, people are, it's just a little lighter of a lift. But if we're going to like a Capri or if we're going to a Greece, giving them longer times to prepare themselves is always the best. Now, if it's a place that you've never been or a continent that you've never been. I mean, do you have to travel there first? I know there are lots of planners who say they cannot do a wedding until they actually go to the place and, and scope it out and they don't trust anything. Mm -hmm. But I am okay with not having to see it like 
Right. I, <laughs> I use the internet. I was like, we have Instagram. We have, there's so, I can virtually do a site visit. I can virtually connect with someone and that's cheaper for the, I don't want to say cheaper for the client, but I can, I'm, I get it. I can see things through a picture and be like, oh, okay, cool. I can do that. And then when I, I usually have site visits where I walk through with the venue owner, or the venue manager saying, Hey, can I do a FaceTime? And I, I want you to physically walk and turn around. All right. Turn around the other way. All right. And I'm screen grabbing and I'm, I'm like, can you look up? Can you look down? All right, cool. And that's, I'm getting everything oh, I need. Wow. So you see the height of the ceilings and you get yeah. a sense of the acoustics or the room or whatever. Or like if, if it's in the backyard, like the Italy wedding we did, I did not see the space part and there's an ambulance coming. Hang on. That's okay. Yeah. This happens in New York. This is this is a New York thing. And I was like, I live on Fifth Avenue. Um, what you call it before? Uh, ambient. <laughs> the ambient noise of New York. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like in Italy. It's like it was a the backyard. It was a circle, and I couldn't get it. So I was like, I had the person do the call, and I was like, look up, and that's when I realized that how the trees were, and I was like, ah. Got it. Okay. So oh, okay. It, I, I was really confused and I was like, there's something keeping me from doing this, but virtual tours have been helpful in helping me not have to be there. Like go to a country, d- double back and be like, okay, I, I figured it out. I just think it's a waste of time. For me, it's a waste of time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I understand. So in other words, this business really couldn't exist without, I mean, on a large scale. On a large couldn't scale. Really yeah. Just without the internet. Right. And I know that like they're, I, we call them grownups, like the grownups in the industry are like, they will go to the venue. They do all of the site visits and they do all the tastings and things like that. And I, I'm, that is where I'm wanting to get to with my company. But right now it's just, I like fast and I like to do things quick. Uh-huh. And yeah, if the couple, sometimes the couple will go and I will arrange their tastings and sometimes I'll go with them, which is great. But when I, I want to, I was like, let's just book it. Like, let's go, let's do it. I know it. I trust it. And I also have trusted yeah. vendors. Like there are brands in the world that I love. And I'm like, if we just book with them, I know that I can, like an Amon or a Belmond or a Montage, pro- like all of these properties, you're like, you know the names. Sometimes I'll hit them up and say, who don't I go with? Like, and like, who do I go with? And I utilize Instagram. I utilize resources and find people who have similar aesthetics. I'll hit up other wedding planners that are in the country that are friends of mine and say, hey, what do you think? And so it's like, I like to utilize relationships to help create what I want to create. And I, I, I can't say I've had a bad experience yet. I mean, so in other words, every drop of it as much as possible is planned. Mm-hmm. You want to eat, this is where you go and this is how you get there. Research and history and all of those things. That's, that's my life. Like puzzles, logistics. I'm like, that's my jam when it, that's, I like to bop, 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 bop. Like yeah. the, the moment that the person steps off the plane and walks outside of the airport, what happens? It's like, I start the timeline from that. Will there be someone to greet them? Will they have a sign? Cause it's like, I'm running. If I came off the plane and I absolutely knew nothing, what would be my experience? And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm walking out. Cause I'm right, so give me a city. Just give me a city so I can get a visual image here. Um, we'll do Paris. Um, okay. If you're walking right. out, you're Charles de Gaulle, you landed, you're outside, what happens? You're hearing the buzz, you're hearing the woo, the taxis, the da-da-da. everything's moving so fast, French is all around, you have no idea where to go. There needs to be someone then with a sign. Does the sign have your name? Just a group name? Is there going to be a bus? Does each person get a taxi? If we have mature guests, is there someone that greets them on airplane side that can help them get through? Are they flying with a companion? What happens to get them to the vessel that then brings them to the hotel? What's in the vessel? What's in the, is there a truck? Is it a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Is there water inside? Is there a welcome bag inside? Are there thank yous or some type of chocolate or a treat? Do they actually stop and make lunch or do they get a lunch before they get to the, how long have they been traveling? Well, then they probably are hungry or tired or all of these things. How can we, how can we mitigate stress here? Because this is usually a very stressful time when you're landing, you're in a city, you don't know, you don't speak the language. How can we get them right from the gate and make them feel confident? Okay figure that out. And then we move to, they're at the venue. What happens? How do they check in? How can we make check-in easy? I hate waiting to check in. Can we do check-in in their room so that we get them to their room? Someone takes their bags, they go to the room, they have water. Someone's in the in there checking them in there. 
because I hate waiting. If you can't get me in the room, then can someone meet them the moment that they walk off the sprinter? Someone's carrying their bags out and they get the hot towel. They get a cup of tea. They are taken to Uh, a a silent area to sit and just debrief. You're not talking about money right away. We're not asking for credit cards because I hate being inundated with invoices if I'm a guest and I'm, I just need to relax. So I'm running, I'm always running the points of how can I, how would I like this to be as someone who likes to just kind of coast as a solo traveler? How does it, how do I make this a moment? Like if food is a thing, if money is a thing, if this is a thing, like how do we, how do we get them all to do all of these things ahead of time so that when they get there, they're just there. I'm, t- I'm interpreting <laughs> your hand gestures that people can't see is that Sorry. you're making like a movement. I, I can't even Whoa. describe it. The hand, like everything is like smooth. You know, I like smooth. smooth. Very smooth. You know, whatever smooth means to you. Like but leather, like, like hand, a nice, like. Nice soft. As a vegan. Like a nice soft landing. <laughs> you know? A nice leather. Like. Which is really true, which is really what you want it to be. Like when someone arrives, shows the call, but you know, it's like, you don't speak the language and all I'm picturing is the beginning of the movie Taken. <laughs> it's like, how do you not get taken? Like, how do you, traveling is intimidating a hundred percent as much, even though you don't want it to be because you're outside of your comfort zone. So sure. there's always those, your micro anxieties like that. There's just always a little fight or flight that could go really quickly if you're overanalyzing things too much. So it's how do we, how do we make sure that that fight or flight in the back of their brain is never triggered for longer than it needs to be? Uh, oh, right? literally, like, let me get back on this plane and get the hell <laughs> yeah, out of like, here. I, I think I'm good. So I'm taking my gift and I'm out of here. Like, how do we make sure that they always feel confident that they know what they're doing and that we don't have to get calls? And that's why logistics and timelines are so important for me because I like to map out as much as I can in the front end. So that way, if I'm giving you all of your content in an invitation or on a website, and this is like we're covering all of our bases, it gives us also the space then to run interference if a real emergency does happen, like flights get canceled, this gets canceled, the truck broke down. Like if, we, if we're overly prepared in the front end, then we have the mental capacity to say, oh, this is an easy fix. We just call the place mm-hmm. for another one. Like it's not a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> like some people don't necessarily care what happens when you, how you get to the airport in this some people uh-huh. do. Are we working with people that need a little extra handling and care? And who are those people? And how do I know about them? Like they're the mm-hmm. ones that need the special drink set up in their bar and the thank you notes and other people are low maintenance and they don't need as much attention. And so it's like, who do we need to VIP it up for? And who do we let live their lives and kind of go yeah. through the flow? And that's, and so our micro timeline is when are we having these conversations? When are we sending correspondence? What are the details that need to happen to make the day a success? Um, Mm -hmm. What would you identify as a success or a win for this event if we were to try and get our rate of return? If you (laughs) (laughs) what needs to happen for you to walk away to say this was great, this was a win, other than you just being married or other than you celebrating your 50th birthday, what would make this a moment for you? Um, And then literally running it backwards. So give me what you want to see and how do I do that? That's what creates our, our general timeline. Wow. I guess. That was was pretty full. All right. So let me, let let me ask you another question. So when you're bringing, let's say your favorite photographer from New York, or you're bringing your favorite florist with you, or you're bringing um, strategic partners mm-hmm. as opposed to vendors um my friend or uh, friend there you go um <laughs> uh how much is involved with them in other words like like if you're bringing out a dj mm-hmm. i'm just trying to physically get a picture so the guy would the guy who, I mean, the, so the equipment, everything has to be mm-hmm. flown or, or rented there. So, and you have to know where to rent yeah, it. And every, that's, every vendor's different. So um, floral design, we did a wedding in Nevis in St. Kitts, which is a small island. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I would say you fly, to, but we flew right into St. Kitts and you take a little boat over to Nevis, but it's all the same. And right. we had a, 
Flores from Brooklyn. She flew in with her team and she got the flower. We got the flowers from Miami. The bride knew some, had a family member that worked in customs that helped us get the flowers through because they got locked up in, because that's the way the world works. Customs behold your stuff like, wait, what is this? So we, we eventually get the flowers. She sets them up and so on and so forth. We had to build a structure though. So we had to work with the hotel to find a local like carpenter, which we in New York called a fabricator or so, and someone okay. to build the structure for the arch for them to get married. So they built it. The florist worked and did all of that. So there was, those are just general, there are other pieces of play that like we had to get paperwork signed and all of that. Photography, everyone's different. Um, for the most part, equipment is so expensive. They never want it to leave them. So having to either fly, fly them first class so that they can have all of their stuff and just making sure that they can, and just paying for all of their luggage is that component. Um, mm-hmm. Shipping things. There are, yes, I like to ship if we can ship suitcases or luggage or things like that. So that when the couple is flying, they're just flying with the basics or just carrying the dress. Um, but if we can ship all of your other stuff, that's like welcome bag things. Um, working with the actual international shipping person to get it there is our favorite. <laughs> so we don't have to schlep. Um, cause taking like welcome back stuff through Mexico is really tricky. Cause then you, they open up all of your bags and then they're trying to declare value and identify, are you selling this? And you know, you're having to explain each time, like, no, I'm just bringing <laughs> a big box of linens because I have a wedding and Americans are crazy and we like linen. So it's like, like, please don't put me in Mexican jail. Like this is just a linen, like, please, I'm not selling it. I'm taking it back with me. So there's just all these other DJs. Yes. That we would rent equipment. Um, and you would just work with, I usually just work with a local hotel or I work with a, a trusted vendor that I'm like, if you were to get equipment, where would you get it from? And then we figured that out. Um, right. Exactly. And then just making sure that you're giving touch points to um, your, but all, most of the time we actually have a real AV team on because sound to me is so important that you don't, you never want to chance that too, especially on beach side or anything where there's a lot of waves or outdoor because sound is, it, it's hard to get really good when you're outside and you want to make sure that right. you're really figuring it out and you're working with someone that knows tides that knows breezes and waves and understands the concept of how, how would this oh, sound yeah. if it, it what what does this like ah, and then the different songs and tunes and what's the what's the right like level of volume for it to be for us to hear it just right and not too loud and so having those I, wow this sounds like a lot but it just feels like that's that, what, that's that. what I'm saying that there's that's what I'm saying <laughs> undersell it because because I, I can imagine it just from all right just from my standpoint okay if I were you know you, you call me and say Doug we need you to do this part my first thought would be okay so it's gonna take place in this uh, a farm or whatever it's a it's a working you know estate that was built in the 1820s. It's like, all right, so what's the story with electricity mm-hmm. would be my very first question. So, and that has to do with the, with the lighting and with the, with the generators and with the food and with, this has, every, yeah. has to do with everything. Everything. Hot water, water's always a thing. Can we drink the water? Do we need to get water from someplace else? Just sound ordinances as well. Like if you're right. doing something in the desert, can I? Um, what, like at night, it gets pitch black, pitch black. There's no such, like, we need the lights to go on all night so that people can walk around and see each other. The government has said this is a true, there's no light pollution. This is a dark zone. You guys can. I literally never heard that expression. <laughs> well, I hadn't heard it until we were looking. I was like, oh, great. This will be So we got crystal clear pictures of the moon because it was, you could see constellations at night. It is literally oh, like looking like here. It's impeccable. Um, but when you have to not look at the moon, you're like, well, we still need light. So I was like, cause we hired a photographer. Black. It's darkness. Black. Pitch black. Pitch black. There's no light. So you're like, well, how are people going to get to their rooms? And so there's all of these other, other, there's so, now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I can't explain to you all of this. See, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say to you. 
I'm worried if I, I go to a place that's in upstate New York, it's like in a barn. I'm saying, okay, when was the last time they, had, they changed the electricity? We did, I did an event for Spotify, and that's not even destination, but it was 1,800 guests, and the HVAC wasn't working. Um, so we had to get, and this is a party for 1,800 people in this space that doesn't have air conditioning in the dead of summer. And now I need to get a new generator to come from Pennsylvania to plug in an hour before the party so the room isn't really cool enough yet. So all like you're just like though but solving that problem, I had the timeline in advance to understand, well, we just need to call and get a new one. So and it works out fine, but Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you could say I just have to call and get a I was like, hang on. Like, mm. <laughs> um, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you, uh, Doug. If there's anything else that you think of, just say the word, but... Wow. We can always do a part two. We should totally do a part two, because now I'm like, I do all of this? I should charge more money. So <laughs> that's what I keep saying. To you. you keep underselling yourself. It's like, well, all you have to do is, you know, just... You just have to do that. And then I was like... Oh. Make signs. It's like, all right, so where do you make the signs? Do you make the signs in New York and bring them with you? Do you have them made in Italy? And, you know, so there's so many factors involved. Oh, that, see, you have to up your price now. I mean, all right. <laughs> oh, so how do people follow you? Oh, people can follow me on Instagram at Fallon Carter Events, or you can right. check out our website at FallonCarterEvents.com. And we started a new business for your micro mini destination weddings called the We Do Collective. So you can go over there and see what's what. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Doug. You're the very best. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, ciao. <laughs> like I said, a true powerhouse force of nature. I'm going to hold her to that promise and uh, make sure she comes back. You can follow me on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. And check out my brand new website at DougWintersMusic.com. Please stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy. We will all get through this together. We've got some serious partying to do in 2021. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and get all your friends to listen as well so we can keep bringing you these incredible conversations. Have a fantastic week and I will see you next Monday.